everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Founder Journey. Today, I got one of my good friends, Manny Bahia, uh, one of the media moguls in Canada, uh, started a company called Van City Buzz, which morphed into Daily Hive. And you're spread, well, it's, uh, it's not just Vancouver anymore. It's Calgary, it's Montreal, it's Toronto. Edmonton. Edmonton. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, Manny, welcome to Founder Journey. Um, tell us about you, yourself first. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. First of all, Ray, uh, you know, you're one of the uh, uh, unsung heroes in Vancouver, uh, really have kept the tech ecosystem going and growing. So uh, honored to call you my friend and also uh, be on this podcast. Yeah, keep uh, showering the accolades. Come on. <laughs> I, I don't think you get enough love. Um, yeah, no. So a little bit about me, born and raised in South Van. And uh, we started a, a blog. My co-founder and I were childhood friends. And uh, it was more opinion-based. It was called Van City Buzz, as you mentioned, back in 2008. Long story short, we exited just a few months ago. Brand as Daily Hive across five cities in Canada. We were garnering about 7 million uh, unique visitors per month, 23 million page views per month when we exited. Uh, and it's still growing. Yeah, and, and this is like a super interesting journey because you guys came in at a time when newspapers were dying, mm-hmm. media was evolving and changing, and uh, people were like, how do you consume content anymore? It's the internet, it's mobile, it's, it's all these different layers are coming in, and you guys have carved that path out, and Daily Hive is super successful. Uh, what was that like? Like, you started with just a blog, right? Yeah, uh, you know, the, we talk a lot about timing in tech as well. Sometimes certain technologies are too early, for example, you look at electric vehicles and, you know, when they were invented and now when they've been become more commercialized and what it takes for that. For us, we started, yes, kind of in a sweet spot, but we could have started maybe a year later as well. Mm. But we saw where media was headed and the projections and we saw the influence that media could have, particularly social media. And really it was about building the following and then monetizing it after is what, how we saw it. And you see that also, like for example, Instagram, 100 million users and barely any revenue, if any, and sold for you know, over a billion to Facebook. So I think it's really important in, ter- in terms of the attention economy, which has you know, become more popular now as a topic. If you capture the attention and the market share, then it's easy to monetize that after. So yeah. our goal in the beginning was just to uh, capture as many eyeballs and, and users as possible. And, and so uh, we'll get into your journey in a second, but well, what is your opinion about the role Instagram and TikTok play now in the news cycle and distribution of um, uh, global awareness of things that are happening? Yeah, I mean, there's so many layers and facets to it. Um, they play an important role. Uh, at the same time, it comes with a lot of responsibility. Everybody has a voice. Everybody is a content creator. Uh, of course, everyone is also a consumer of content. Mm-hmm. And you can't really get away with it. It's become a necessity to be in the know of uh, your, even your family and friends, let alone you know, what's happening in the news and popular culture and mm-hmm. media. And that's how news is delivered, uh, really. And you've seen it in, in terms of its form uh, go from obviously print where you physically yeah. you know receive this newspaper this piece of paper which seems archaic now um, and you, 
you know, you have to wait till the next day to get an update on what happened on the last day. Uh, and then, of course, there's broadcast television as well, um, which was, you know, 6 p.m. every evening where you had your news delivered. Now things are instant um, yeah. and ahead of it. But, of course, it comes with its own pitfalls and perils with uh, today with misinformation and, and trying to verify and validate and, and sift through. And technology is only getting stronger with the deep fakes and yeah. what have you. It, it's, it's an interesting time. Yeah, I think so. There's there's three layers to this. One is um, everything used to be curated by organizations, like a newspaper. There was journalists, there was an editor, then film and t- or TV, uh, broadcasting. Everything was prepped and organized. Now it's instant, and it's mm-hmm. user generated content. So it's somebody just sitting by uh, a traffic light and seeing an accident, had their phone out, and they uh, are filming it. And guess what? They're now a news anchor or newscaster because they're posting up uh, something. And so the fake news is a serious issue because you've got people that have that power and that reach that can change that message. And uh, uh, what are your thoughts on the guardrails that need to get in place for uh, media companies? Because it, they, that's the other side. They, they're so hard pressed to get something out right away because the, the speed of information being shared, uh, but they were, afraid of accuracy like the the, the most famous one right now is those uh, uh two guys that were outside the twitter office when uh, was getting laid off and uh right and and they said that they were i won't go into the names <laughs> that they used but uh they said that they were laid off but they weren't actually employees they're just two guys oh really trolling right <laughs> and but yes, the newscaster she put it out and it, it blew up that uh these are two guys that were getting uh laid off and yeah it's fake yeah, and what goes out first yeah. and is it disseminated first becomes everyone's perception and has that long-lasting effect where people don't fact-check or there aren't uh, concurrent uh, releases of that fact-check by mm-hmm. that publication or perhaps is buried because a publication doesn't want to lose credibility and say that they were incorrect uh, and redact something or what have you. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a... It's interesting. There's different types of content creators. You can call it citizen journalism. Um, There's also the aggregators, of course, and there are aggregators making, you know, good solid income, uh, for example, on YouTube and just cutting things up and editing and presenting news in a different way, perhaps. Uh, Being first is always important. The algorithm has always uh, amplified that further and created more of a need to be first. The algorithm being, you know, Google or any other social media platform. Um, so yeah, there's been this huge push by media organizations to be first is a priority, be factual is the second priority. It's important because if you're in the long game, you don't want to lose your credibility. So sometimes it is worthwhile as you build that credibility to be second but be more accurate. Yeah. Like, don't rush to be that first person out the gate with the news, but uh, be quick enough, uh, but still have that conscience of making sure that's accurate. Um, I want to dive into your journey now. Uh, Daily Hive was not, it's an overnight success, but it was a what, seven years, eight year overnight success. It took a long time. Well, right? 14 for the exit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was it like? So 
we have to give a shout out to Supreme Pizza oh, and, and, and how that layers into the story. For those uh, <laughs> listeners, Supreme Pizza is a, a staple in downtown or east side Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, the south side Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Uh, south Van. South Van. Mm-hmm. B- born and raised here, South Van. Uh, but that's where you met um, Carm, your co founder. No, actually, so I know Carm since I was five years old. We oh, were, really? okay. yeah, yeah. He, we lived two doors uh, apart from each other. So we grew up. Simple, you know, uh, played outside, played tag, played cops and robbers, grew up in South Van. And uh, yeah, it was a good time. And then he actually got me the job at Supreme Pizza um, while I was in university. And so that's how I earned my income and I guess uh, paid my way through university in terms of, you know, having fun and everything, really. Uh, <laughs> I know my mouth is watering right now thinking <laughs> yeah, about Supreme I'm Pizza. thinking about that <laughs> Supreme special yeah. uh, or the hot, hot, hot uh, pizza. So, yeah, I worked there for five years and, and drove. And I, you know, got to learn a lot about actually Vancouver and the ins and outs uh, and the city inside out, really the different neighborhoods. Uh, one of the first topics that we had on Van City Buzz was about real estate. And so Carmen and I had a really good understanding of Vancouver and we could speak to that. And it's still one of the very strong topics and suits of uh, Daily High Vancouver, uh, where we have, I got to give a shout out to Kenneth Chan, uh, yeah. one of the best real estate uh, editors in the country. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it was, a, it, it was, it was a fun job. <laughs> and, and then, so the Daily Hive now goes toe to toe with some of the biggest media companies in mm-hmm. Vancouver. What was that journey like? Like, what were some of the highlights and lowlights of your de- going right against these uh, big behemoths? Yeah. Um, at first, it was more, again, opinion-based and fun. Yeah. And then as we grew and started accumulating more of a following, um, we started noticing some pushback from the legacy media. And really, they didn't take us seriously, though. Um, they just kind of thought of us as just you know a simple blog that is very informal. And we don't have journalism backgrounds, Carm and I. Uh, we did business in, at SFU. Uh, Simon Fraser University, and uh, uh, we just kind of took it as a challenge, and also we took it as motivation, and uh, we use that um, to continue pushing and and producing content. And we knew that if we had personal like quotas in terms of producing content and uh, using social media and being engaged on that, you know, as much as we could, that there's a chance that we could become a publication that is on par with mm-hmm. the uh, the major ones because every industry is disrupted at some point. Um, and it was just a matter of time and we saw the trend of where it's going. And I think now we're very well respected, mm-hmm. especially in Vancouver um, and, you know, Alberta, we're very strong as well. And I say we, because um, I'm always going to be a co-founder yeah. and technically I still own shares in the umbrella company so still you know an advisor and all um still your baby still my baby yeah, yeah. i mean no one maybe left that the away. nest but yeah uh, or you left the nest exactly <laughs> but uh still yours yeah exactly um so now it's it's different we we did have a lot of pushback we had a lot of hate we had a lot of journalists they even had a secret facebook group at one point <laughs> yeah. where they were bashing us uh back in the early you know 2010s uh, but we had our highlights. So, you know, so it was some of the lowlights, but we had some highlights where uh, during the Olympics, we were kind of the go-to guide and we found that, hey, you know what? We can be a discovery tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we in 2011 was a Canucks playoff run 
and posting people's reactions and the celebrations that were happening. And then, of course, the riot, yeah. uh, you know. Um, and then, you know, 2012 and 2011 is really when the mainstream started jumping onto Facebook as well. I yeah. noticed that a lot of my friends from high school were starting to use Facebook. Then I'm like, okay, you know, this is something serious. Like, if they're using it and then, you know, and, and talking about it and, and captioning their lives – and getting it out there i'm like okay this is really growing um then you know you had instagram become more popularized and then 2014 or 20 even 2012 onwards we started publishing more news content rather than just discovery of new restaurant openings and closings and uh you know different events and festivals um and all that so so for you personally um how did you handle that hate that was coming in Again, like again, there's highlights. Like you see your friends using yeah. it. There's all these good things, but then to find out, like shit, these journalists are hating on us. Like, yeah, like what what was going through your head, and how did you handle those emotions? Yeah, I think it's just about understanding where they're coming from as well. Um, I think they're very protective and uh, of their industry, mm-hmm. and you know they went through a lot of schooling and education to get to where they are, and um, we were just passionate about Vancouver City and. Um, at first, of course, you know, you read comments or you see these things and you're, it does affect you, but you learn very quickly in the business that you really need to just kind of shut that out and look at, okay, I might have a few negative comments, but I have so many likes, I have so many shares. It's mostly positive and people are more likely to, uh, I guess, air their displeasure or grievances than they are uh, about, oh, wow, this article is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is amazing. Well, I love like how you, uh, you know, broke into this article with this byline or what have you. So, uh, so we learned really quickly that we tell all the writers as well, just don't take it personally. Um, it's just the nature of the beast and the internet. Just keep using it as fuel and, and just continue improving. Hello, fellow tech startup founders. I just want to quickly interrupt this episode to tell you about us at Launch. If you're looking for a community to help you take your business to the next level, consider joining our Launchpad program. As a member, you'll get access to investor connections, programming, workshops, mentorship, and over $400,000 worth of perks. Also, don't forget to check out our other podcasts, Launch AMA and Bits and Bytes, for expert advice and stories from the tech community in Vancouver and around the world. Visit launchacademy.ca to learn more and start building your dream business today. That's launchacademy.ca. Let me take a moment to shout out our longtime sponsor, Smythe. They are a leading independent VC-based accounting firm specializing in providing financial services and consulting for tech companies across North America. Smythe has supported our program and our alumni throughout their early growth stages by helping them structure and set up their businesses, all the way to helping more established businesses with cross-border operations and M&A. They combine industry knowledge with a proactive, collaborative approach, empowering you to make more informed decisions as your business grows. So if you're looking for a trusted partner to help you drive your business to success, reach out to one of our Launch Academy's longtime mentors, Camelia Ho, for more information about how Smythe can support your growth. You can find Camelia's information on Smythe's website at smythecpa.com. That's S-M-Y-T-H-E-C-P-A.com, along with more information about the various industries they support and the services they provide. Again, it was not a quick journey. It's like 14 years. You as a founder, what are some of the things that you wish other entrepreneurs were talking about openly 
because you might have faced whether depression or or uh, challenges with co-founders or whatnot. What are some of the things that you wish other entrepreneurs would talk about more openly um, on the journey? Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it is becoming, uh, I, I guess, more publicized now. Uh, you know, I saw a, a chart the other day in terms of. Uh, how many? How, how much more of a probability or chance there is for entrepreneurs uh, to to suffer from depression? ADHD is a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, bipolar. Um, I think it was something else as well. Is on Visual Capitalist, also another Vancouver success story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also, it's, it's confusing because you know, is that the reason or that the personality traits that make a good entrepreneur? It, it's tough to say, right? Like, and and so. I, I wish that going into it, I knew that how long I'd be so broke <laughs> is really is what it would be and, and what it would take in terms of working a full-time job and also growing a company uh, that it, it would take a toll on really physiologically. Yeah. So it does affect in terms of, you know, you don't sleep as much, um, you eat crap sometimes, um, you know, you forget to drink as much water, you might go through a phase of energy drinks, and then you quickly realize that's not healthy and uh, sustainable. So then maybe you go back to coffee. It, it's just, it's, you, you need to need someone to tell you that, listen, you have to take care of your body as well yeah. at the same time, because you've been given this vessel um, for the rest of your life. And um, it's okay to kind of you know, sleep an extra hour or something, maybe it's not going to make or break anything. <laughs> yeah. Those problems are still going to be there. Uh, yeah. Whether you have uh, four hours or eight hours of sleep, but that eight hours are going to help you address those problems a lot more efficiently. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's important for do the AB test, you know, look at it as AB test, have some days where you get better rest and take care of yourself better physically and mentally versus those days that you do not and measure your productivity, I would say, mm-hmm. and then see for yourself and see what works. And everybody is different. Uh, you know, I've met people like I met someone in Dubai who said he needs nine hours of per, uh, sleep per night. You might know who he is. <laughs> Whereas another individual I've met before who can live off of four hours per night and be completely okay. So yeah, I'm kind of in that camp. <laughs> I've been averaging four hours this last week. Yeah. Though for those of the audience, um, that uh, are not watching on YouTube or any of these uh, visual clips. We're actually sitting in Dubai right now. You can see we are beautiful Burj yeah, behind beautiful. us, uh, the uh, palms. Um, what brought you here to Dubai? The opportunity, really. Um, so I left the Umbrella Co. Zoomer Media in February, and the, the, the Umbrella Co. that purchased uh, that acquired Daily Hive, Daily Hive. and. Uh, you know, I had finished the integration and, you know, it's on its way in terms of growth and I, I'm no longer, you know, it can add as much value as yeah. I would like. And I think 14 years of it, it's, it's time to make that next leap now and explore other options. Um, you only get so many opportunities in life to do that. And 14 years is a very long time. So I came to Dubai. Um, let me backtrack. My, my, my wife wanted to go on a vacation uh, to Punta Cana. And I've never been that personality to be able to just sit on a beach or go on excursions. And I just find it kind of just so cookie cutter and boring. Yeah. So I asked my wife, I'm like, hey, listen, 
Why don't we go back to Dubai? We've been here a couple of times before. We love it. It's super safe. It's clean. We have a son. We can bring him here as well. And it's very family friendly. Um, and it's sunny every day. It, there's so many things to do, so many attractions. Let's, let's make it happen in Dubai. And we'll go for a longer period of time rather than just a weekend or a few nights in you know, Punta Cana. So uh, booked the flight. We were supposed to leave uh, you know, after 10 days, started meeting some really cool people, as networking as well. Um, and that was one of the purposes for myself was to explore Dubai uh, as a global hub and capital, as it's known as, uh, for expats to find opportunity, whether it's a job career or starting something new um, or just meeting people here that are doing some amazing things globally. Uh, or it's a transient city as well. So people are in and out. Uh, long story short, you know, just started meeting people and networking and extended our trip. And, uh, you know, we're still here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, Harpreet, she's happy. She's happy. Yeah. Of course. It, it's, it's a very, uh, convenient city as well. Anything that you need is at your fingertips. Uh, there's a cream app. You can pretty much order anything. Uh, it's, Mind-boggling context there. A cream app on audio might sound a little bit weird. <laughs> what is cream? <laughs> cream is the Uber or the WeChat of of Dubai. Okay. It, it actually got acquired by Uber, uh, so you can book your Uber Kareem vehicle, yeah. your captain as they call it, uh, that will drive you. They have nothing less than a comfort vehicle here either. Yeah, so it, Dubai is a, <laughs> a a city of opulence, and uh, it is. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though because you can neither be rich here because to be rich is just like insane uh, yeah, the bar is very high bar is extremely high that is like unfathomable but neither can you be poor here there's so much opportunity here it just doesn't let you uh fall and it cushions you so um it's uh yeah it's great it's great i mean this is where we are in the moment and we're living it and uh it's been quite the journey and uh if you had asked me five years ago i would have never guessed it <laughs> yeah, and then there definitely is like a, a good solid uh tech community that's building here of expats my yes. good friend and business partner lloyd lobo's here alex popa's here yes uh mike rowan uh, a lot of vancouver names uh that, that you, our audience might recognize they're here yeah. and uh, in that time that you've been here, you've seen a constant flow of other people coming through. Uh, again, vacations, but there's others that are, have really settled down here. Yeah, and you run into familiar faces and you're like, oh, you're here too? <laughs> and so that's been pretty fun. Uh, and to meet Canadian entrepreneurs who are uh, really, you know, growing their businesses or doing something different and uh, have moved here for various reasons. Uh, you know, another reason is the really strong family values that are here as well and uh, raising children here. It's uh, and you're really um, sheltered away from all the noise and the toxicity <laughs> that you can say uh, of North America, yeah. really the polarization and all that. And I'm not going to get into politics, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's agnostic here. Um, and uh, you pretty much just focus on your biz really and you focus on your work you focus on your family um and you can go to the beach like pretty much any day yeah. right like everything's very very accessible everything's very accessible so i mean so habibi come to habibi, dubai <laughs> come to dubai yeah. <laughs> let's dive deep into the networking here uh mm. obviously i've been here a few times as well myself and the caliber of people that you meet the variety of people that you meet it's just uh, it's insane yeah. um how's that experience been for you 
Yeah, it's been unreal. Um, it's a, uh, you know, I've always considered myself, even though you know, I'm from Vancouver and Die Hard, we started Van City Buzz more as a global citizen. And, you know, I took the leap to move to Toronto, which is like, you know, with the Toronto Maple Leafs and all yeah, that. It's exact kinda, opposite of Vancouver. Yeah, exact opposite of Vancouver. Uh, the I least hated rivalries. <laughs> love, love hate relationship with Toronto and Vancouver. Absolutely. So, I mean, I made that leap. Go to, you were the traitor. Move to left. Toronto. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of my friends were saying that and a lot of the colleagues and all that. But, uh, hey, listen, I made that leap. We wouldn't have exited the company if I didn't make that leap, mm-hmm. right? Moving to Toronto. And you would have met your wife? Wouldn't have met my wife. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't have met my wife and all that. So wouldn't have had a beautiful child and what have you. So wouldn't have been able to grow the family and everything. And and so now making the leap to Dubai and networking. That's really cool people. Of course, those from around the world. Um, and, you know, different countries that I previously had never met people from from those backgrounds and it truly is more of a meritocracy here and going back to the fundamentals of capitalism of what value do you bring to the table and and i love that about dubai and uh one of the folks that i met recently uh bali singh uh he's been very successful in this region um he is from the uk and he has an agency called hoko agency um, and an events brand called Ioka. And so we met just purely just to network and half hour meeting turned into, you know, a few hours. And a couple of days after that, I was shadowing him and learning about his business. And throughout that, found how much, you know, value I could bring to the table and how much value that I can gain as well into the knowledge and experience. And so I'm working with Hoko and Ioka now to grow those companies and they have a tech platform as well uh, that, you know, we're developing um, that uses AI as a kind of a pocket concierge um, with all the data and information that they've accumulated over the years, which is, you know, so fundamentally needed uh, when it comes to developing an AI is firstly, you need as much data and, and learning as possible. Um, and so it's a, it's a cool blend of mixing events, which are, uh, you know, a, a high tier of events involved with F1 racing, uh, where we have exclusive terraces and spots. Um, and we have access to, you know, the drivers and, uh, we have a, a great Rolodex of, of people that attend these events. Uh, then we do a bunch of white labeling events as well. Again, uh, some amazing people uh, that attend these events uh, from all over the world. Um, and then we have the tech app, which is cool too. So that kind of uh, keeps you uh, in the loop and fresh with what's happening in the world because you can't just you know take a year off uh, of tech um, because it'll advance so much and you'll uh, you'll miss out on, you know, and you'll have to catch up all over again. So it's the best of all worlds. And so really looking forward to that, uh, you know, opportunity right now as well. So you didn't waste any time. Like you exited, took some time off, but that time off yeah. <laughs> brought you to Dubai and right away your, your, your head's deep into a new project. Oh yeah. Completely unexpected. But when you see that opportunity and, you know, I did give it one or two days which is not a lot. <laughs> Talked to my wife. I'm like, hey, listen, this opportunity is pretty amazing. And I get to learn as well. And, you know, we get to live in Dubai. 
and we're making a permanent move uh, in, a, in a few months here. We're going to go back to Toronto, Taos and Lucens and all that. And it's a no-brainer. <laughs> she agreed. And it's great for our son as well. And it's, it's a great family decision, but also a great, I think, career and learning and entrepreneurial decision as well. Because right now, I mean, if you look at even things like access to capital, it's so hard to come by in North America unless you're actually... Uh, uh, you know, fundamentally strong with revenue and, and EBITDA and profit and your certain sectors. Um, there are so many startups right now in North America that have PO orders that can't even get capital um, that, listen, we can bridge the gap um, from Canada to the Middle East here. Um, why not? And I, I highly encourage entrepreneurs to uh, make those global visits to these major cities. You know, like Dubai, like Singapore, uh, go to London, you know, wherever there is growth and, and you've seen that there's opportunity and other entrepreneurs are attracted to, there's something there. Yeah, I think one yeah. of the things that's lost on a lot of people, like right now we're living in this age where remote work is very possible, it's feasible, having distributed teams is, um, is kind of like the new normal. But people forget we're living in a day and age where it's so easy to travel somewhere. And yes. Like, looking at human history it was never easy for you to just jump on a plane and, and get to another country and see explore what's out there so from a business perspective you would kind of own it to your business to think globally build globally uh but a lot of that does require some in-person activity yes absolutely and that human interaction element is important and yes you can at the same time have those distributed teams and meet virtually but that travel element and actually being in that time zone and that city even to conduct business goes a long way and meeting the people goes a long way to really learn about the culture, uh, the nuances, uh, you know, whether you're opening up a new market or you're looking to do business with somebody in that market, you just learn more about the process and you never know what one relationship in person can lead to. Mm -hmm. um, years down the road it all starts with one conversation and <laughs> absolutely a lot of times that little box that you have on zoom uh does confine those conversations to okay 30 minutes but like you're meeting with uh bala Singh, yeah. a 30 minute meeting that went two three hours that yes. wouldn't happen in a zoom call absolutely not <laughs> uh maddie this has been an awesome conversation uh i want to wrap it up with um, your thoughts or advice to other entrepreneurs that are out there yeah you know there's different part chapters of your life and i think it's important you can get very comfortable at times just push yourself to get out of the comfort zone and it could be really extreme and just kind of watch it unfold and see what happens um and then of course you know take care of your body you may be doing some long-term damage to yourself. Yeah. Uh, I know, I think we all have as entrepreneurs. Uh, I think, you know, with extreme personalities especially, uh, take care of your body as, as best you can and, and do that A-B test of your productivity. That's, that's, that's going to be a new hack, like A-B testing, but for your body. Yes, yes, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. It's a great conversation. Thanks, Manny, awesome. and good luck with everything in Dubai. Thank you. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me. Hey there, fellow tech startup founders. This episode of Founder Journey was brought to you by Launch Academy. If you're looking for a community that can help you take your business to the next level, look no further than our Launchpad program. 
As a Launchpad member, you'll have access to everything you need to succeed, including investor connections, year-round programming, workshops, offline socials, mentorship office hours, and over $400,000 worth of perks. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale, we have the resources and support you need to achieve your goals. But that's not all. At Launch Academy, we also have two amazing podcasts that you can check out, Launch AMA and Bits and Bytes. At Launch AMA, we bring in industry experts to answer your burning questions about entrepreneurship, fundraising, marketing, and more. It's a great way to stay on top of the latest trends and learn from those who have been there before. And on Bits and Bytes, we highlight the tech community of Vancouver, sharing stories of innovation and success from people who are driving the industry forward. It's a great way to stay informed about the local tech scene and connect with other like-minded individuals. So why wait? Join Launchpad today and start building the business of your dreams. Visit launchacademy.ca to learn more about our programs and how we can help you achieve your goals. And don't forget to tune into Launch AMA and Bits and Bytes for even more great content. Visit launchacademy.ca.